Awesome. Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Today we have Paul Taylor. He is a resilience and performance educator, uh, and he owns uh, and runs uh, Mind Body Brain Performance Institute. Uh, I've met him uh, because he was speaking actually at one of my wife's uh, events she was helping out at, and she was like, Chris, you got to get him on your podcast. Uh, so we connected, and Paul was happy to come on and speak to us around burnout prevention, which he does as a business. So it's going to be a pretty good show today. Uh, Paul, why don't you take it away? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And again, thanks for being here today. It be a pleasure to be here. Um, look, my background's pretty eclectic. I'm ex-British Armed Forces, um, spent eight years flying in helicopters, uh, doing anti-submarine warfare initially and helicopter search and rescue in in the mountains and islands of Scotland, which was interesting. Um, But I also, when I was in the military, went through combat survival and resistance to interrogation training, um, which is where my kind of interest in this whole space first started. Mm. And then I left the military and became a geek. Uh, So I'm now a neuroscientist, an exercise physiologist, and a nutritionist. And I'm currently doing a PhD in psychology where I'm developing and testing resilience strategies with the Australian Defence Force. Wow. Wow. Okay. So yeah, we got a few, not similarities, but you know, defence, police, Uh, but that is, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, So uh, Paul, tell us a little bit about what would you define burnout as? Because I know everybody has a different definition. I know there's clinical definitions in that as well. What would be your definition for burnout when you're kind of talking with people? Well, so look, I, I, I'm above everything else. I'm what I call a pracademic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll give you a pracademic um, um, definition of it. It really, because, you know, if you look at the academia, um, there, there's stuff around emotional exhaustion, um, professional efficacy and cynicism. That's the, the, yeah. the Malash burnout inventory, which I'm sure you're aware of. But then, you know, there's that clinical burnout where there are significant structural and functional changes in the brain mm. and that we are actually able to measure now. Um, so for me, it is a damaged brain. It's a brain mm. that has just been damaged by cumulative stress and inefficient recovery. So okay. that's my simple pracademic um, explanation for burnout or definition of it. What are some of, because you've done a lot of obviously research around, you know, this side of stuff. What are some of the symptoms that are most common for somebody who has that, you know, that, that brain that is at that damage stage? Yeah. So, so if we think about um, what happens with stress and, and with chronic stress, um, you know, it starts to affect your brain and that it kills neurons Mm -hmm. Um, in the brain uh, and particularly in in an area called the hippocampus. So your memory becomes affected, um, but your mood also becomes affected because what we know that chronic stress can do is it it burns out neurotransmitter systems um, to do with with dopamine, with noradrenaline and with serotonin, which are feel-good chemicals. So basically what you then find is that your mood becomes affected, your memory becomes affected, your motivation becomes affected. So um, you can often become very apathetic, stuff that used to inspire you or give you joy no longer gives you joy. You know, your life can be a bit blur, um, which is a very non-clinical um, term. But, 
I think that sums it up really well. You can either lose weight or gain weight, right? And that depends on, on, on how you respond to stress, whether it's more adrenaline or cortisol based, and um, will determine whether you're going to lose weight or you're going to gain weight. Um, but it, it, it can then affect your immune system and that, what chronic stress does. So you start to get sick, colds, flus, taking longer to recover. Um, you'll have low levels of energy because we know that that chronic stress will, will actually um, cause the liver to release things called uh, um, acute phase proteins and acute phase reactants that basically sap your energy, right? They're mm. the things that the river releases whenever you are, you've got a virus, right? Mm. And that's why you feel shit when you've got a virus because it's, it's basically um, the brain's way of saying, Chris, we got an invader, go and lie down in your cave um, while we actually combat this virus, right? So, so that's the extreme that people feel. But when those things are running through your bloodstream at low levels, it just completely destroys your energy. So it can also destroy your sex drive, your libido. Um, you, I said, I mentioned your immune system, but your fertility also becomes oh, impacted, yeah. right? Because if we think about it, it for, for me as a physiologist, you think about what's happening with stress and fight or flight. Your heartbeat gets faster. Your blood pressure goes up. It mobilizes energy and moves all the blood from your digestive system to your muscles to help you to fight or run away. Temporarily um, suppresses your immune system and your reproductive system because there's no point ovulating or creating sperm when you're being chased by a lion, right? It's a waste <laughs> of energy. So, yep. But if we think about the long-term consequences of that, right? Fertility is impacted, immune systems compromised, high blood pressure, heart issues, and then brain issues. All that stuff that I talked about, whether it's behavioral or it's actual brain function, it's memory, that sort of stuff. So I know that's a pretty exhaustive no. list, but, but that's kind of what happens, right? No, it's good. It's good to hear it from somebody who obviously, you know, knows this stuff really, really well. It's yeah. You know, and I, I guess our body, our body's designed to do it for a short time. Yes, you know, you go absolutely. back, you go back 2 million years ago when we were being chased by saber tooth tigers, you know, it's designed to do it for a short time, but not a long time. Like I guess we find nowadays with especially certain industries, but I think really everybody at the moment with COVID and all the uncertainties and the ups and downs um, yeah. that, you know, we, we sit in that fight or flight situation continuously at the moment are you finding a lot of that recently oh look, look absolutely and particularly now in melbourne in in <laughs> the forced lockdown right yeah. but but it, it does it, it, there's a couple of points that 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 we need to bring up from that um one is um high that the, the other long-term consequence can be anxiety depression ptsd right um and it's basically what we know in the brain, the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that senses and responds to stress. And um, what we're seeing now with brain imaging studies where they can follow people for six months, a year, two years, ask them about who's feeling a lot of stress and, and look at changes in the brain. We see the amygdala actually grows bigger and, and, and it becomes more sensitive, right? So we become hypervigilant. And if we think about it, it's a beautiful evolutionary response, right? To, oh my God, it's danger, danger, danger. So be on your guard. Otherwise um, you're going to die, right? And, yeah. and, and depression can be that with the negativity because it wants you to look for all potential threats, right? 
That is a, a what we call an adaptive response. It's a positive response if you live in a dangerous environment. But what we know is that psychological stress can do the same thing, right? Just having mm-hmm. a job where you're working too long hours or you're in your own bloody head, you're an overthinker, um, you know, that psychological stress activates these same pathways. Your brain does not differentiate between physical and, 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 and mental slash emotional, and it doesn't differentiate between real and imaginary, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the thing is that people... You can sit and ruminate about some bullshit that happened 20 years ago, and you'll create a stress response as if you're being chased by a lion, right? Yeah. Or you can sit and catastrophize about what might happen next week or what someone might be thinking about you, whether your kids are going to turn out okay or, or you know, whether you're going to have a job at the end of this. And, and you'll create a stress response as if you're being chased by a lion. So that's the thing to understand is those changes in the brain that then when your amygdala grows bigger and we know the frontal lobes start to shrink, you're less able to regulate your emotions. And this is what people notice when they're starting to become burnt out. They, they are flying off the handle and they start to do it at home more than at work. So it starts at home. You're just, you, you know, you're going off at your partner or your kids uh, and you, you're just, you, you're in that amygdala hijack, right? Uh, the, the, the neuroscientist Antonio Damasio calls it amygdala hijack. We know it as losing our shit, right? But, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but that, that, that's what happens. And it happens more and more often as you get dragged into this, this vortex of burnout. And I actually use the, the analogy of a whirlpool, right? Yeah. And the lower down you get, the stronger the downward pull actually becomes, right? That, yeah. That's pretty key. But w- one other thing, sorry, that, that was a bit of a t- tirade, but that you mentioned that, that the fight or flight and, and, you know, we're chased by lions. Part of the problem today is that we don't fight or run away because the mm. stress is workplace stress, right? And when you fight or you run away, your body burns up the stress hormones and we come back to what's called homeostasis, right? Which is that natural equilibrium. But when you've got to say, if say it's, a, it's a desk job where you just, you're overloaded with work. Those same things are, are happening. Those still same systems are being activated. Your fight or flight response and then the HPA axis, which involves the hormone cortisol, but you're not burning up the stress hormones because you're just sitting there. And, and it's actually, um, that's what creates um, and that imbalance of homeostasis and, and cortisol, when it's released, there's a negative feedback loop in the brain that when it's released, it shuts off something called cortotropin releasing hormone and brings it back to balance. But when you're constantly stimulating that from external um, inputs or your own in your own head, we start to lose that feedback loop. Right. And we develop something called cortic- corticosteroid resistance in the brain. And I think that this, this is pretty key to those long-term brain changes that we talked about earlier on. So I'm just going to go straight forward. I find like for myself doing high, like doing fitness and doing some sort of training and that calms has always. And I say, I say this like with my, you know, my experience with burnout is fitness saved my life. Cause mm. I go, I train, sometimes train angry. Um, yeah. and I don't do it so much anymore. It's more balanced. Everything's more balanced now, but it used to calm me down afterwards. Is that because it's burning some of that, that, that yeah, stress yeah, off? Yeah. It's because it, it, it's burning the stress hormones off, right? So, mm. and, and we've known for decades that, that exercise reduces state anxiety, 
right? Mm. Um, it, it burns off all of those stress hormones. And, and it also releases, particularly if you're lifting weights or doing high intensity stuff or, you know, hitting a punch back, brilliant, right? Because mm. you're getting rid of stuff. And um, those sorts of things are releasing testosterone and growth hormone and DHEA, which, which combat the cortisol, right? It's, it's almost yeah. the antithesis of, of, of the cortisol. So um, exercise is, is, is critical. And, and, and I say to people, if you want to get practical about it, it's try to do a short burst of exercise first thing mm. in the morning. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and because that will just turn your brain into a high performance machine all day long. And then I'm a big fan of movement snacks throughout the day. So yeah. I have a process, which I talk to corporates about discharge, recharge. So you're stressed at the end of an hour, an hour's meeting or whatever, every half hour or every hour, worst case scenario, but ideally every half hour, get up and do 30 seconds of vigorous activity, get blood flow oh. and oxygen pumping into your brain and you burn up stress hormones. Yeah. And then you sit down and do some. Um, so the recharge bit is where you do some breathing. So I, I teach people to either box breathing, yeah. a resonant frequency breathing, or, or lowest comfortable breathing. And that is just like taking your brain out and plugging it into the wall to get a recharge, right? Mm. And then ideally, at the end of the day, you do another burst of exercise. And it doesn't have to be long. Um, I mean, I'll share with you an eight minute workout that you can send to your people. It's all body weight. You, you don't need any equipment, um, but that will, will, will hit it. Even just coming home, getting changed into your exercise gear, right? Priming of the brain. Cause what yeah. do we mostly get changed into when we come home, right? People get changed into their comfy clothes <laughs> or their pajamas, which says sit on your arse, put your feet up and have a glass of wine or a beer. Right. Yeah. But I said to people get changing your exercise gear and just do a few minutes of exercise. Right. Yeah. That is going to change your state um, yeah. um, completely. So for me, it's using physiology to change your state, yeah. um, which is really key. No, that's, that's quite interesting that, that yeah, I've, I've always been an advocate for the box breathing, obviously with tactical background and that it's yeah. a huge, it's a huge thing. Um, and then also obviously, yeah, the movement first thing in the morning, I go to the gym first thing. It's the first thing I do during the day. Now I used to hate going to the gym at 5am, but now it's the only time I can do it. And I, yeah. it's too crowded in the evening. Um, but, and then the other thing you do it in the morning, that shit gets done. Oh yeah. It gets done. Uh, There's no excuses. Yeah. I mean, hi, man, we, we've all been guilty of it. We have the best intentions of exercising after work yeah. and life gets in the way. Yeah, it does. You know, or you have you have one of those days at work where you, you know, where you're extremely stressed out and you come home and all you want to do is put those comfy clothes on and sit down and do nothing. Yeah. And, and and here's the thing, right? Because because everybody knows or most people will know that when I come home, if I exercise, I actually feel better. Yeah. But there's a very strong pull um, to to uh, uh, for your brain and my brain has worked out after all of this time, the easiest way to soothe stress and anxiety, right? Yeah. My brain says, get me alcohol. That'll sort yeah. this shit out. <laughs> Some people, it's get me food, right? Get yeah. me a comfort food. And it's not carrot sticks and hummus, right? Yeah. It's sugary, fatty, salty food because our brain has worked out the, the easiest way and most satisfying way to actually soothe anxiety. Yeah. But exercise, not only does exercise burn up stress hormones, but it actually releases a whole host of feel-good factors. Most people have heard about endorphins, but it also releases things called endocannabinoids and serotonin, dopamine, and noradrenaline, which are real mm. feel-good chemicals, right? So, But it's just finding the motivation to exercise is key. But I always say to people, 
we've got it arse about face, about motivation. The motivation fairy doesn't exist. Um, motivation follows action, not the other way around, right? So that's why I'm always big on come home, get changed in your exercise gear and do two minutes of exercise, right? Yeah. And then sometimes you'll do more. Sometimes yeah. you won't, but sometimes you will, right? Yeah. Um, but it's just, I'm, I'm all about these little practical things that people can do. Yeah, no, I love I love that. You know, I used to tell my clients when I was back when I was a personal trainer and that I was like, if you don't feel like going, just go and go just through the motions. Anyway. Just, just go through the motions. Don't yeah, go in yeah. going, I'm going to make, I'm going to set records. Just go in and go through motions and go, yeah. hey, today's a motion day. And you'll yeah, probably, 90% of the time, you'll find that you'll actually go and you'll get stuff done and you'll actually half the time break record you know break pbs and things yeah. like that because you get into the mood now if you go two or three days and you're like hey i just it's it's motions after motions two or three days it's like okay your body's trying to tell you something you need to shift things up or you yeah. need to take a break from weightlifting and you need to just go for a walk instead or you need you know you need to shift things up you need to listen to yourself not just go i have to push through this because sometimes pushing through it is not actually what your body needs yeah yeah, particularly if you're if you're highly stressed, and um, mm. it, it's just about doing something short. And 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 mm. I I heard I don't know what athlete it was who said if you don't want to go for a run, that's fine. Put your exercise gear on, make it to your letterbox at the end of the drive, and then decide. Yeah, no, I like that. Right? Yeah, I like that. So, uh, Paul, I know you do this um, with execs and everything. And um, what would be your what are your key things? Because you know, before we started recording, you told me you know you have an experience burnout. I want to know if just a few different things and we'll just start, let's go back because I'm fascinated about especially military being law enforcement myself, military law enforcement, that what was it that prevented you during your military and law enforcement or your, sorry, your military days and mm -hmm. doing high end military stuff. What prevented you from actually burning out back then? Because I know there's a lot of military law enforcement, first responders that get, mm -hmm burned out PTSD real bad and I actually don't know what to do to prevent it. So what was yeah. it that you did to prevent it back then? Look, so uh, uh, fortunately I've always been into exercise, right? Okay. I, I'm, I was an exercise physiologist before I joined the forces. I joined quite late. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, I was always into, into my sport and into nutrition. I ended up doing a master's in nutrition part-time while I was doing helicopter search and rescue. So my head was always in the health space. Yeah. So I think I, 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 that, that no doubt helped. And, yeah. and, you know, I've just finished a, a clinical trial with uh, a military squadron, um, um, aircraft squadron in the Royal Australian Navy, um, where we did an intervention um, looking at, and we looked at mood resilience and burnout and we had statistical, statistically significant improvements in all of those measures um, in a four-week intervention, right? And so probably the best thing I can do is give a very high-level description of, of the, the, what, was, um, what comprised the intervention, right? Um, because it, it's stuff that has not, I know it works, and it's been shown clinically yeah. now that it works in a population who's at risk. Right? So what, so what is that? Because I know like myself being ex law enforcement, I've got lots of friends that are still in. I know lots of our listeners and viewers are, you know, want to be or are, or they're corporates. And I know it transfers over into all of it. So what are those key things that you found? So, so the first one is, is adapting activities. So these are activities that help you to adapt, right? Exercise is key. I'm a massive fan of cold showers and cold water exposure right um, i can see that you are as well and 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 it, it, this stuff is brilliant because 
it it releases norepinephrine in your brain, which is a feel-good chemical. It also releases the same stress response proteins that are released during exercise mm. that actually switch on hundreds of protective genes, right? And yeah. um, so it's a really, really useful um, tool. And, and, and the military guys, they, they really embraced it, right? Yeah. The, the cold shower stuff. Um, the other adapting activity is sleep. And, and, and this is, is really, really critical that we have good sleep. And, and so I do a whole heap of sleep hygiene stuff. Uh, like, you know, it would probably take me 20 minutes to go through all of the sleep hygiene things, but the high level ones, routine. You gotta have a routine of going to bed and waking up, particularly your wake up time is more critical. Now, this is where um, anybody's on shift work, it becomes more difficult because you yeah. mess with circadian rhythms in sleep. It's just, um, it makes everything more horrible. And look, that's another mm. podcast about what you can do um, um, for, for that. But yeah. it, it's really about that regularity of sleep and wake time and making sure that your brain has at least 30 minutes of decompression, right? Um, the brain needs to prepare for sleep. The worst thing you can do is be on your laptop doing work or be on social media and then go straight to bed, right? Because there's too many inputs for the brain. So I tell people, whether it's breathing meditation or just read a bloody novel. Yeah. When you read a novel, it's a mindful experience, right? And then the other big one, well, there's two. Number one, if you're on a normal routine, get out into early morning sunlight and mm. evening sunlight. When the sun is rising and setting, when the rays are yellow, that is what entrains your circadian rhythms, right? Mm -hmm. Which creates our sleep-wake cycle. And you mess with your circadian rhythms, it, it's just untold shit that happens at a cellular level, yep, right? Yep. Um, and so, you, you know, I, I do feed for people who are doing shift work. But but then the last thing that I say is that your your brain needs to know that your bedroom is a, a sanctuary. It's a sleep sanctuary. It's where you go to sleep. And if you're lucky, you get a bit of oofty magoofty every now and then, right? <laughs> it, it's not a place for televisions, for laptops, and for mobile phones. Yeah. Um, when your mobile phone's beside your bed, your brain is hypervigilant. So I said to people, buy a friggin' $10 alarm clock and get your goddamn mobile out of your room. Um, and teenagers, teenagers, you bring a device into their bedroom, sleep on average one to one and a half hours less than their peers and have double the risk of mental health issues, right? Yeah. It's a crazy statistic. So, yeah, it is. so that's the sleep stuff. Then um, there's a whole heap of cognitive stuff that I get people to do, but... Um, Cognitive reframing, right? So, so there will be people, there'll be listeners here who have either PTSD or undiagnosed PTSD or just, um, the, you know, a bit of, bit of trauma, a bit of emotional trauma that might not quite be PTSD. Now, PTSD stuff, you got to have a therapist, right? But um, there, there's a guy, um, uh, who, James Gross, who's a neuroscientist, that showed a really effective strategy for people to manage difficult emotions is something called um, um, distance um, reframing. So, so it's basically you, if you recall the event, and, I, and I'm not recommending anybody with PTSD does this deliberately without a therapist, but just say you think of, of a bad event, right? The key thing is to, to say, okay, that was really bad, but what was the silver lining? Yeah. What was the good thing that came out of that, right? 
Um, and and then uh, and and you actually view it from a distance, like you're watching a movie. Because yeah. when we recall those traumatic events, if it's me and you in an argument, I recall your face right up in my face like that. What they get them to do is to step out to the side. It's called yeah. self distancing, and 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 recall that event, but then really focus on the silver lining, right? Yeah. Whether that's, you know, I, I lent in to someone else, to a mate or to someone else, we developed a closer relationship or, or, or whatever it may be. It started me exercising, whatever that may be. But then there's, there's something that, that's recently come out. Well, it's not recently come out. I've recently made a connection that um, for when you recall a memory, a lot of people think, so I've got a bookcase behind me. A lot of people yeah. think you take a book out, you read it, and then you file the book away. But that's not quite the case. You take the book out, you read it, you throw it away and you rewrite it. And your emotional mm. state at the time determines how you rewrite that book, right? Yep. Now in PTSD, it gets caught in a loop, right? Mm. So I'm, I'm, we'll not go into to, to the detail of that, but just for normal people trying to reduce the emotional burden of memories is to try and recall it. And that focusing on the silver lining put you in a more positive state, mm -hmm. right? Now, something that I think is important to add to this is when you've done that, um, you do either uh, two minutes of, of intense exercise or, or even a minute of, of just sprinting on the spot or do 30 to 40 um, um, hyperventilation breaths, controlled yeah. hyperventilation, like Wim Hof breathing, if anybody's ever heard. It's yeah. like... Because what both of those do, and um, the, the sprinting on the spot and that breathing, they release adrenaline and noradrenaline, sometimes called norepinephrine. What we know is they, those, those hormones encode memory, mm -hmm. right? So you've just taken a memory, you've reframed it, created slightly more positive, and then you release adrenaline, noradrenaline in so that you can re-encode that memory, right? Which mm -hmm. is, is pretty key. Now, I link to this, to the, to the sleep hygiene bit, is that what we know is that in REM sleep, rapid eye movement, when you're dreaming, what's happening is it's therapy for the brain. And this is the only time where the brain will deliberately shut down norepinephrine, right? Or noradrenaline. That, that, that's the stress hormone. That's adrenaline in your brain is noradrenaline. So if you think about it, you replay the day's events, your, your brain is deciding what to store emotionally because um, it's emotional memories that get stored, yep. but you're doing it in the absence of stress hormone. So it's actually like every time you're in REM sleep, it's like you're going through therapy. You're actually yeah. talking to a therapist, but you're reliving that event in the absence of stress hormones. And so you're able to basically process the emotional stuff and minimize the emotional stuff. When people have sleep issues, and particularly people who medicate with alcohol, alcohol inhibits REM sleep. And they've shown in rats and in humans, if you deliberately inhibit REM sleep, you can induce anxiety, right? Mm, yeah, so, makes so sense. This for me is really, really critical around that sleep hygiene is just minimizing your alcohol. And marijuana will do the same thing. It'll stop you going into REM sleep. So, so making sure that you're using exercise, breathing, wind down routine to get your sleep so that you have the proper REM sleep, right? That's really, really critical. Um, so 
that's that one. There, there's another tool that we use around um, brain sculpting um, where it's basically you create two characters in your head, right? And everybody's got a version of them that's a little bit shit. And, and, and this yep. is your gremlin, right? Yeah. And so... And it's not about getting rid of your gremlin. Some approaches will, will have that. A lot of people that want to get rid of their negativity, their self-criticism, their overthinking, their anxiety. And um, so all of these are your gremlin. It's like a chameleon. Yeah. But actually it's about, and, and there's three approaches that, that, that take this. One is Japanese psychology. Another is acceptance commitment therapy, which is a type of cognitive behavior therapy that's actually really good for burnout. Mm. So my wife is a practitioner of both of those. And then the third is Stoic philosophy, which I'm a massive fan of, the, mm. the Stoics, the ancient Stoics. And, and so all three of these say it's not about getting rid of your gremlin. It's just about where you shine the light of your attention, right? Yeah. And so it's just basically going, thanks, gremlin. Thanks for that story that you're telling me, but it's not helpful right now. And yeah. that's where you consult what the Stoics would call your sage. That is the version of you. And I've tweaked the stoic thing. You have an inner sage, that version of you that is awesome. Or yeah. it's something that you consult. Again, this is an approach called self-distancing. Yeah. And, and I, my, my inner sage is called Jev. And I, I say to myself when I'm struggling, what would Jev do right now? Right? Yeah. So it's all about action focused, despite how you might be feeling, right? Mm. And that's the key thing of acceptance commitment therapy and Japanese psychology is action over feeling. And a lot of people end up with physical and mental issues because we live a life driven by feelings. I don't mm. feel like exercising. I feel like drinking alcohol. I feel like some comfort food, a Krispy Kreme donut, whatever, right? I don't feel like going to the party because I feel a bit anxious, right? This is about taking action that is linked to your purpose. Yeah. So on all of my stuff, and I know you're a fan of, of, of your why, and so with the military guys, it was about finding your why, you know, yeah. Anthony Robbins says, you find your why, you find your way, yep. but he nicked it from Frederick Nietzsche. <laughs> he has a why to live can bear almost any high. Yep. Yep. It's, it's interesting. I, you know, it resonated with so much. I've done my NLP uh, master's practitioner stuff cool. as well. So a lot of the, what you said resonates, but I remember when I was in that deep state and I know before we started recording, I told you a little bit about, you know, going to counselors and that. And the second counselor who said to me that I was burned out through our sessions and that she's like, Chris, you got to, you know, a lot of us have, she referred to it as wolves. We've got a dark wolf and a light wolf and the dark uh, nice. wolf, the dark yeah. wolf is extremely loud or the gremlin yeah. is extremely loud, but he doesn't actually have that much power. That's why he's so loud. And so, so obnoxious yeah. and always there. And that's all those negative thoughts. And then there's the white wolf. And the white wolf is always there. He's light, he, but he doesn't say a whole lot. But when he does, it, it, it's got some power behind it. But you, you can't push out the dark wolf because if you push yeah. him out, he'll go quiet. But then he'll come back with a vengeance and he'll bite yeah. you in the ass. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, started a, I started a business because I did a motorcycle trip uh, driving around the U.S. to refine myself after I was so burned out. Um, just to force myself to talk to people, to interact with people and to just read you know connect with nature and that as well and while i was over there i actually went you know it's actually not even a wolf it's a goddamn demon mm, and so i actually nice. called my i called my business knocking demon because i was like it's like this demon's on the other side of this wall and cool. i i just don't want to listen to him so i closed the door but i know i need to listen to him so i'll listen to him through the wall through the door yeah, yeah, yeah and for ages it was just listening to him like you said listening acknowledging and deciding what i wanted to do with what he said yeah 
Yeah, just it's just really about saying, and 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 that's that that's exactly the same process. It's yeah. not about getting rid of it because you know what? Sometimes it's there to protect you. Yeah. Right. And and, and that's the thing. But but often it's just it goes about it the wrong way. Yeah. And, and and it's just about yeah you listen to it yeah when you, so a lot of people they don't even notice when the mm. gremlin or the demon is in their head but so being the watcher of your yeah. own thoughts is really yeah. really key. Tony said that Tony Robbins said that during the initial stages of COVID he's like be the gatekeeper to your mind. Yeah, nice. Because at the end of the day, if you're not being the gatekeeper, you know, limit the social media, limit the normal media, limit, yeah. you know, because it, it is going to, you know, put in your mind what you want to get out of it, you know. And yeah, so it's it's that interesting. It, it, a lot of what you said resonated. And it's, it's like it is all about, you know, it's not reliving those experiences. Like I've got a lot of things just like I'm sure you do with being military, you know, a lot of police stuff. I mean, first week on the job, I saw somebody who jumped in front of a train. So, <laughs> you know, that was one of the first, one of the very first jobs that I did when I was on the street. So, you know, those kind of things, I was like, oh no, they're totally fine, but they do add up on you, but Absolutely. it's not, it's not reliving it. It's looking at it and going, okay, cool. What did I learn from that? That's right. Like yeah. What's, what's the silver lining? That, yeah, that, that's really the key thing, right? It's a key thing. Um, uh, as you said, you know, with Anthony Robbins, you know, Tony Robbins, he, he talks about, I went to one of his events and he talks around that, you know, the language, the focus, the physiology, which is, it's, it's, it's fascinating. All the things that you're saying are so, they're so powerful. Mm. And, you know, I want to say that for listeners and viewers is everything that Paul said today so far has been literally spot on to how I got through my stuff. So, so, so I'll just stop talking right now, but no, no, I, it's, no, but because you say it so far, you, you're don't saying fuck it, it up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know you're going to have so much more Paul, um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's got me excited about stuff because I'm like, wow, this is so, and it's so awesome. And I'm so excited that you're doing this with the defense force and that, because it's such a huge thing. And hopefully, you know, you can imp implement it into law enforcement as well, because I know it's, you know, I find the difference between I got lots of family and friends that are military. The difference between military and police is the police are in it every single day. Yeah. They're in that trauma every single day. Yeah, They're in yeah. that alertness every single day. They're in that high, you know, spec who's nice. out to kill me on or off duty. Yeah. Especially when you take into account, you know, like the U S or anywhere where there's lots and lots of firearms. Yeah. It is that it's that That's next level. Easy. Right. Yeah. And it's getting even worse here. You know, we're finding more and more, firearms are getting pulled on police officers here in new zealand more and more every single day all right yeah so you have that high alertness that comes out and then you add the trauma of things and you add the all the other political you know all the different layers and so and, and, and then you add in you, you know relationship lack of sleep money worries lack of sleep shit diet right yep, and, yep. mcdonald's which, at 2 a.m because that's all that's which, open which is just crazy i mean I'll, I'll send you a link to to nutrients so here's the thing to understand that when you are are in a current uh, current uh, a constant stress state and um, bruce Ames, professor bruce Ames, who's one of the best scientists ever um talked about triage theory in the body yeah. right so you, you're familiar with triage and um, your brain or the in your whole body, it prioritizes stress hormones because it's survival. Mm. So it actually drains nutrients from your brain to create stress hormones. So the brain ends up in a state of chronic stress in a highly depleted state. Um, mm. And so there's nutrients that um, are, there's a Canadian company that 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 creates these nutrients that are 
are, are very high levels of, of essential nutrients for the brain and the nervous system mm. um, that I use them and refer um, and everybody to them who's dealing with stress and anxiety. Uh, and, and I'll send you the link to them. It's called Hardy's Nutritionals. I get no kickbacks from them whatsoever. I get a 25% discount, which I'll pass on to you. That'd be to awesome. Yours. I think that's really important, right? You've got to create the foundation. The foundation comes from good sleep, regular phys- physical activity, and good nutrition. And, and often when the brain has become damaged, it needs extra support, right, yeah. uh, from that nutritional support. So that, for me, is, is really key to, to give you the, found, the proper foundation to actually fix yourself with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it is. It's the, those, those are the key. I find um, structure is really, really key as yeah. well. Yeah. Having that structure, like you said, having that time when you go to bed, having that time, especially when you wake up. So you have that structure. I mean, they say, they say um, most Navy SEALs still wake up at like three, three thirty in the morning, right. even after yeah. they get out of the Navy SEALs, because it's just, that's their, their yeah. structure. There is structure. You know, their, their sleep thing was get up at three, 3 AM every single day, no matter what, yeah. no matter where they were in the world. Um, so no, that's, um, yeah, it's, um, it's all very fascinating. All it's amazing hearing it in the way that you, that you put it. So Paul, as we talked about before the, the um, interview, I'm a why guy. Uh, my why yeah. is I want to create less pain always has. Uh, and it stems from my childhood from seeing my parents fight. Um, yeah. you know, they didn't fight nastily, but just seeing them fight, always wanted to stop it. Seeing people get bullied. I got bullied. My brother got bullied before me. And then obviously it carried on. Then I joined the police force because I saw people in pain, saw a train crash in South, um, in, in LA and was like, cops are making a difference. I want to do that because yeah. they're creating less pain. So it, it carried on. Now I do this because I want to create less pain as we talked about before. Uh, Paul, what would you say is your driving? Why? So I, I actually have one and in, in, in all of my courses, we, we get people to create their why. And I, mm-hmm. I like the idea of a tombstone statement. Yeah. Um, so mine actually came when eight mates of mine got killed um, in, in a helicopter, two helicopters hitting each other oh, and, wow. and two really good mates of mine. And, and, and I was quite lucky not to be in one of those helicopters. Um, I had been um, shifted out of the squadron because somebody um, had a medical discharge and they asked me if I wanted to go and take his place in search and rescue. So anyway, long story short, when something like that happens, you start to think about, you know, what am I going to do with my life and, and, and that sort of stuff and, and your own mortality. Mm. So, and, and mine's evolved o- over the years, but, but it, it is now um, my clear one is military man, turned educator to help others become better versions of themselves. Yeah. So that that's my tombstone statement. And, and actually when I'm in workshops, I get people to create a tombstone statement in less than six minutes. Right. Yeah. And there's a little process that we go through and, and most people don't have one. They don't have a, a mm-hmm. whether you want to call it a purpose or a meaning, they actually, a lot of people have never even thought about it. Some people have thought about it and it's a bit too hard. Some people have one, but in the workshop, everybody has a draft um, within six minutes. And then it's about, I say to them, spend at least five minutes a day deliberately on your purpose. That's all, just five minutes. Because when you spend that deliberate time, it's like the Hawthorne effect. You shine a light on something mm. and it starts to actually improve, right? And, the and, repetition of it. That's right. And, and look, there's one thing that I'd, I think is important to add in here. Um, you, you know, a, a big 
part of the, our component of the program that, that we do is around gratitude. Mm. And, and, and Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor and Stoic philosopher, he said to himself in his, his, his book, Meditations, which I have a copy of here, and, and it's pretty fascinating, the diary of a Roman emperor. He said, Marcus, you should wake up every day with extreme gratitude just to be alive. Mm. And you should use that thought, memento mori, that you are mortal, that you will die. And use that thought, memento mori, to judge your behaviors and your actions that day. So for me, a big thing that's written on my bathroom mirror is memento mori. And just when you look at it every morning, go, fucking hell, how lucky am I just to be alive, right? Because what's the alternative? I know some people are in in a shitty state, in a shitty space, but what's the alternative? Um, It's not that good, right? So when you actually, that memento mori was was really big for me and, and linked to that is carpe punctum. Um, you, we've all heard of carpe diem seize the day, but it's pretty hard to seize the day. Um, carpe punctum is about seizing the moment. It's yeah. just about seizing little moments to take action aligned to your purpose, despite how you're feeling, despite yeah. the fact that the universe has just handed you a shit sandwich you take action that is aligned to your purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that, those little steps and tying it all in with that why is hugely important. Yeah. Really, really important for people. I, um, I do a little process. It normally takes about half hour because I dig all the way back into somebody's childhood with finding their why. Um, yeah. And doing a group setting as well and get them to kind of do it. And they, it takes you can get to you know fourth or fifth layer of your why pretty and and pretty pretty quickly which make a huge impact and then it is it's that concreting it in and thinking about every day because like mine i'm constantly you know you might not be doing take my wife for example who you've met uh her passion is events and hers is all her why is all about creating joy now the last Mm. 12 nine months she's been working um back at a company that she was at uh and you know doing more admin type stuff in that but she's applied her why to helping her boss yeah. and creating joy in his life by taking stuff off of his plate. So he can actually yeah. do more and create more joy. So it's, it's actually, you can link it to anything you don't. Yes. There's certain roles that you'll do that enlighten it more and it's finding those, but if you have it and you focus on it every single day, you can actually go, Hey, I can be, you know, a rubbish truck driver. I can be a, a yeah. bus driver. I could be, you know, a CEO, any of it, and it'll it can all apply to it, like you like you said. Um, yeah, but- absolutely. And 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 when you know, I'm quite lucky uh, in that I've got what the Japanese call ikigai. Yeah. Um. But but I've sort of been moved my career into that ikigai is when there's four things intersect. Mm. Um. That which you love, that which the world needs, that which you're good at, and that which you can get paid for. Yeah. Right? yeah. And 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 when they all intersect beautiful shit happens right yes, now some people that's not the case right they're, they're, they're doing a job whether they're not skilled or they don't have job opportunities they're doing a job that isn't icky guy and and that's okay um it's just about thinking well well why are you working in in the first place right and um, it might be to provide a better life for your family or whatever it may be and just reminding yourself of that um on a daily basis is really key really really key yeah that's so true i'm sorry about my dogs they've decided they want right. to bark my dogs something. have been going off earlier anyway <laughs> so they're having a competition hey just give me one second and we will quiet them 
oh, they've decided they want to be quiet now. Um, but yeah, they um, yeah, it is so true. One second, they never, never work with down. animals and children. Yeah, That's exactly, what they say. exactly. One second. <laughs> Sorry, team. That uh, yeah, sometimes happens. That's what happens when you have dogs. Um, <laughs> they like to they like to protect you. But yeah, it is. It's it's so it's so true. You know, you have to find, and you know, you don't have to, but you know, link as many of those things together as you can. Yeah, because without linking them, you know, I remember my wife when I was in the police, I loved what I did in the beginning, but then, you know, I lost it. And she always said, Chris, you got to do what you love. The money will come. Mm. You know, you've got to do what you, you love because then you're happy. And I always, you know, never really listened to her. And then I was on my motorcycle trip that I told you about. And I was with my uncle, who's an actor. He's a fairly well-known actor, but I was at his house and we went off and we had a, we had a whiskey and a, a shot of whiskey, a shot of Jack and, and a Bud Light. And we're sitting there at the bar talking and he goes, Chris, you know, tell me what, what's going on. And I told him that. And he's like, you know, Chris, you do, you have to love what you do over everything. Mm. Because if you don't, and you don't have your why attached to it, or you, and you're not taking care of yourself, he's like, I just went and came back. He had just finished filming, filming a movie. He's like, I just came back, had the time of my life. Absolutely loved it. Had so much fun. He's like, and then I came home and there's a massive paycheck in my bank account. He's like, I didn't do it for that paycheck. Yeah, yes, it was yeah. nice. Yeah. But I did it. He's like, nothing's changed over the 20 years that I've been, that I've been acting, except for the money has gone up more, but I still love it. Whether yeah. I'm doing a small role, a big role, it doesn't matter. And so it is, it's, 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 it's combining those together, find and finding that why that purpose, um, helps so much it also helps alleviate that stress those negative yeah yeah those negative gremlins finding meaning in discomfort is Mm. is really really key Uh, yeah and it's a lot easier you can just endure much more and when you can attach meaning to it that's really key yeah um so uh if somebody wants to get a hold of you paul and i'll put the links down below and then i'll get you to send them through to me uh How do they get in touch with you? So, so um, there's, there's, there's two ways. One is um, through my website, mindbodybrain.com.au. I have to, I have to really pronounce that word because they don't understand when an Irish man says brain. <laughs> like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> so mindbodybrain.com.au. Um, or, you know, if they just want to hear a bit more, my, my podcast, which is um, uh, the Mind Body Brain Project podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I like you, I love doing that. It's a public service. It's not monetized. Um, but I get the interview world-class experts in a whole host of things to do with performance and well-being, uh, and, uh, and I really enjoy it. So, so there's, there's a whole heap of stuff. I've got 30 odd episodes on there on a range of different topics. That's probably the easiest way to sort of follow the stuff, but you can just jump on the website. There's a few more resources and stuff like that. Uh, and there's an info tab on there that they can um, send stuff to. That's awesome. Oh, cool. Thanks, oh, Paul. the other phone's yeah. my Instagram. Um, yeah. I keep forgetting this. I don't bloody like Instagram, but my, <laughs> my wife is always all over me. So it's that's at Mind Body Brain PI for yeah, Performance okay. Institute. Cool, awesome. So those are those are the few ways, and we'll obviously, as usual, we'll put those links down in the description down below. Uh, last question I have for you, Paul, is what is your top tip to self happiness? To self happiness, yeah. Um, remember that you are mortal. Mm. memento mori yeah because 
you know, when you actually really think about that, it's hard not to wake up every day with gratitude and to actually say, fucking hell, I've got another day. I need to make it count. Yeah. And that's when you'll start to look for stuff that fulfills and engages you. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I've got a morning routine that I wake up, tell myself three things I'm grateful for. Some mornings it's just literally I'm alive because there's a ton of people on this planet that didn't wake up this morning. That's right. That's exactly (laughs) right. It is. And it's the easiest one. And look, the other thing I would say for for people who struggle, uh, uh, particularly for, for, for people who are overthinkers or, and and especially in today's world and, and, and for teenagers, never compare yourself to anybody else. Compare Mm. yourself to who you were last week, last month, last year. Yeah. I think that's critical. That's the biggest blight on our society. And it's been, it's been amplified by Facebook and Instagram and all of these things is comparing yourself to other people. We are used to being brought up in a tribe of 150 people or less that when you're a teenager, you're comparing yourself to maybe five or six people. And now they're comparing themselves to thousands. It's not just teenagers, it's adults. So that don't compare yourself to anybody else, compare yourself to who you were last week, last month, last year. It's um on on that I remember uh, you know I've always done it because obviously hitting deep stages of burnout where you know I've literally everything I was like I don't care about anything and I look back on that and I you know I call that my rock bottom you know yeah people have rock bottom I call that my rock bottom and I go I always look back and I go well I'm not there so I'm doing better yeah exactly (laughs) I'm not there I'm doing well I'm on the up and up I always tell people to remember where you came from you know I remember I remember hearing Dwayne Johnson say do a talk to the Lakers and he's like I always think of myself backed up against this wall because he's like I'm never going to get back to where I was where I had seven dollars in my pocket yeah yeah and so I, and it resonated. I was like, that's what I always do. I always think about that. So yeah. yeah, it is. Think about where you, you know, compare yourself to you, not everybody else on social media, because 90% of the time it's not actually them anyway. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's some Photoshop thing. So yeah. Yeah. And it's the best little airbrush snapshots of their lives. Right. Yeah. That's and what it took it them a million times, a million photos to get that one photo. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, thanks Paul so much. Any last words before we kind of close out? Um, uh, look, I would just say the last words is just carpe punctum. Just, mm. just start doing shit. Just seize the moment and, and just start doing little bits. There's lots of, uh, hopefully there's lots of little tips throughout this and for the other podcast. So rather than intellectualize stuff, just get shit done. Start yeah. taking the first step. Um, and, and that's when you'll find that motivation follows action, not the other way around yeah yeah no definitely just one step in front of the other always and you'll keep you'll get somewhere forward. keep moving keep forward, forward. Like i learned that from the hard, quite hard core from the police in my sailing background you know in fact when i was sailing if you didn't just keep moving forward things were going to go very bad That's it. <laughs> exactly right and and also on vip protection if you didn't keep moving forward when you needed to it was yeah same thing so well thanks paul for your time today um guys remember this is another episode of fight the burnout you know we bring you interviews from all walks of life people all over you know all around the world people that have you know been through burnout people like paul who you know specialize in this and it's what they do and they've done a lot of research on it because we want you to have the information 
Now, if you do need more information, reach out to Paul. Uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to help you out um, or, you know, look at one of his programs or send us an email at fighttheburnoutpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see what we can do to help you out as well. Uh, but till next time, uh, remember, like, subscribe, share this out to as many people as you as you know it'll resonate with. Because if we're just helping one person each day or each moment, uh, you know, we're making the world a better place. So till next time, we love you and thanks for listening.